For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hello, I'm Professor Elemental, and whenever I'm not riding a badger around my grounds or hitting my monkey butler with a stick, I'm listening to The Geek Show, and my God, I love it. Hello and welcome to another edition I think we're actually closing up to the uh, 300th edition, by podcast numbers anyway, of uh, The Geek Show. I am Rob, and as ever is the man who reads the news, who's also with me, who's over there, say something, news reader. Hello. Yes, I'm um, also called Rob. Yes, you are. Um, there's a, a litany of news readers, and I don't think you're posh enough am, to be on, one on TV. Just, just give me a second. <clears throat> Hello. No, no. No. You <laughs> see, newsreaders in this country, newsreaders in the UK are covering all sorts of races, creeds, and uh, skin colours. But the one thing they all are without fail is posh. Good evening. This is the news. Yes. <laughs> you, I don't think your yeah, posh really works, Rob. But anyway, yeah. Um, it's an announcement we... before we start the show, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is the gig show we've been running since 2010 as an audio program. We've gone through many form changes. We've had many people going on it. And I'm not like, teeing up this announcement this way to suggest that we are going anywhere. Uh, I realise that's what that the tone of that, what we're saying there is kind of hinted towards. No. What I'm hinting at and what the new news is going to be is that the gig show isn't just going to be a podcast anymore. It's still going to be this, the podcast, though. It's still going to be news, wacky news from around the world. But the flagship moniker, the, the flagship handle, will be passed on to a video series on YouTube. Hooray! Which, just, just to keep things confusing, will also be called The Geek Show, but that will be the flagship geek show, whereas this will be the Borty McBortface Geek Show. <laughs> It actually fits as well. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know that reference, there was a thing, wasn't there? Um, it was a uh, that was just going to be like breaking ice up in the North Pole. Uh, it was put a public vote about what they call the football, and the Botty McBoat first won it. And the people said we can't call the Botty McBoat first, so they called it like the uh, the Sir David Attenborough uh, or something like that. But they caved in. They called the little boat this inside the big boat, Botty McBoat first. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got the best of both, world, both worlds. I don't mind that. So the silly beggars won. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Um, that's, what that, that's what that show will be, and that'll be uh, kicking off in the new year. New year is a very vague time frame, but yes. it is going to be happening in 2019. So mark that date in your calendars. So basically just circle all of 2019. <laughs> yeah. Um, personally, I'm hoping it'll be uh, January, but... Will I keep up to date? Uh, keep up to date on the uh, social media channels, so like um, Facebook, on um, Twitter, and on YouTube's discussion thing, which I really ought to start using. So if you follow us on any of those channels, 
there will be announcements forthcoming. Forthwith. Yes. Uh, I like saying that. Forthwith. It's a fun word to say. But anyway, go on. Right, shall we go straight into the news? Because we got lots to talk about. Get a segue out of what I just did then. Uh. <laughs> oh. That's not a challenge. Just please move on. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. I know. Um, right. Okay. So uh, we've got news. We've got plenty of news. And we're going to start off with an old favourite of ours, uh, Mr. Elon Musk. <sighs> Is he going senile? I have no idea. There's well, never a week passes when he's not on the show. I know. Uh, see, the thing is, this time he's being warned by Mexico. <laughs> What's he done now? Um, see, Elon had this idea. Um, he decided he wanted he wanted to create his own brand version of a particular Mexican drink. Um, but Mexico have since issued a warning that as a locally protected and recognisable trademark, Anything akin to Musk's proposed Tesla Kila really? <laughs> would, yeah, would be legally besieged with claims from day one. <laughs> See, if it, is that what you want to call it, Tesla Tequila? Tesla Kila. <laughs> Tesla Kila. It makes it sound like he's drinking the engine juice. <laughs> Maybe he is, I don't like know. Like just putting a big like, tube in the engine and just giving it a good old suck. Hey. <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry. <laughs> <a> choice of words. <laughs> that may be the best choice of words. I don't know. Uh, this that may be the greatest way to open the show. But it's it's kind of arrogant, you know. I mean, I didn't realize Tesla was that uh, profitable for him to be like basically a Bond villain. Uh, have you not heard of his boring company? Oh uh, yeah, but that's like his side project, isn't it? Yeah, his side project that bought that bought. Through a shell company, a house, a nondescript house in just a random town, and yeah. is building a garage underneath the garage. So there's an elevator that goes from the garage down to this massive garage, which is like an, a, a massive area workplace thing. But the only entrance is through the garage of the house, a nondescript house, right? And Meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom. Yeah, it is literally, he's creating his own back cave. <laughs> Yeah, he's an odd man. Why would he want to make tequila? I mean, he has he's all over the place, isn't he? He's kind of scattershot. Well, it's not just that. You know, there's that figure of speech where you're talking about something which attempts a lot of things and hits a few of them. Like, yeah. you're just throwing a load of darts at the wall and hoping what sticks. Yeah, That's kind of how he's running everything, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, what Mexico... See, this is the thing. You know Mexico has a minister for wrestling, mm-hmm. right? They also have... That is true, by the way, listeners. Yeah. Um, the people, Luchador's name and identity is um, protected by yeah. government statute. A, basically, it is. If you're a Pratchett fan, it's basically like the clown school. All of the faces of the clowns are, you know, they're compared with these little legs to make sure that they're uh, not copying someone else's face. But yes, they've got a, a, a Luchador department at the government. What else have they got? They also have a Tequila Regulatory Council. Mexican government so much cooler than ours. I know. I hope that the the the, uh, the, the tequila minister is just a, a raging drunk. <laughs> it's and Father Jack, isn't it? It's Father Jack, and uh, the wrestling minister is just it's Rey Mysterio. It's Rey Mysterio. Anyway, moving on to another story, right? Which we actually talked about a while ago, and it was about raccoons. Is this about the zombie raccoons? Yeah, the ones that just basically appeared, started snarling at people, then fell over. Yeah, weird, and, weird animal. Yeah, 
everyone thought the raccoons had rabies or something like that. Yeah? Hmm. Well, anyway, these masked perpetrators, for want of a better word, right, they were causing uh, all sorts of alarm in a town in uh, West Virginia, in America. And the police, the police in Milton, uh, the police department, they had several accounts of stumbling and, and disoriented raccoons at least twice a week, right? Stopped snarling at people, then falling over backwards. So everyone's thinking, oh no, it's rabies. Turns out it wasn't rabies. Can mm. you guess what it was? One raccoon saw Rocket Raccoon accidentally being played on one TV and passed it through the raccoon network. Uh, like that scene in Father Ted where all the old ladies hear about that lovely boy in his jumper going to visit the parochial house until the point where all the raccoons across America know about it and they've all, they've all onto something. They're all onto the game. Is it that? No. Aww. But it has to do with... Uh... Basically, what was happening was, the raccoons in question, you know raccoons eat all sorts, yeah? Yeah, the scavengers. Literal scavengers. Yeah. Basically, the raccoons are supposed to have gotten wasted by eating some fermented crab apples. Um, wasted is in... Drunk. Drunk as in... Cider. Yeah. <laughs> I never knew crab apples could do that. Fermented crab apples could do that. Well, fermented crab apples are basically cider, aren't they? Eh, give or take. Once they've reached fermentation, it's basically just solid cider. You just need to press it and drain the cider out. That just makes that story just wonderful. <laughs> if we're be... keeping the Father Jack fame running, it's just, you know... A town besieged by drunk raccoons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that'd be terrifying, though. Oh. Because uh, raccoons... Might be a bit of a leap, but they're kind of like America's foxes. Yeah, only smarter. Yeah, they're smart. They're smart, like, animals, and you don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they could just sit there being all cute and adorable, or they could just attack you. They're so unpredictable. And once you throw alcohol into that, well, alcohol via fermented apples, Yep, they're a terrifying creature now. Yes, they are. And uh, like all good raccoons, as soon as they're drunk, they want to fight. Maybe that's, you know... Oh, God. All raccoons. The that, that was the origin story behind, you know, um, Rocket Raccoon. The author saw like, some drunk raccoons <laughs> and thought, hmm, I've just I realized am onto something here. Uh, you are actually onto something <laughs> I've just realized. You know when you go for a night out and everyone gets, a, a, everyone gets you know, has a good time, except for the, sh the smallest guy in your group, who gets very, very aggressive. All raccoons are that guy, aren't they? That's why they go up to humans, snarl at them, and then fall over backwards when they're yeah. drunk. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh, right. Uh, sharp left turn coming up, because we're heading to Facebook. Well, raccoons have faces, so I guess there's a segue to be had there. But go on. Right. Um, Facebook does news, doesn't it? Does it? Well, kind of. And Facebook has decided it's going to pay... Several million dollars, pounds, whatever you want to call it, about six million dollars, uh, four point six million pounds to train up local local journalists in the UK so that they will tell more regional news. I'm waiting for like the the crazy part. Here's the question: We have these things called like regional newspapers, don't we? In theory, we do. Yes. Okay. So but, in this but area, in actuality, what they are is about two articles about the local sports team, a cat stuck in a tree, and 99 pages of adverts. Yeah, and my point is, 
Facebook wants to train up however many local UK uh, journalists, right, to tell local UK stories. Now, imagine you live in a town where nothing happens. Don't have to. <laughs> Do you see Already living it, Rob. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> yeah. This is Facebook, so you can, so you know full well they're going to be doing their uh, their key performance indicators and things like that with this. They're going to be wanting you to hit targets. You're going to have like a set number of uh, 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 set number of articles that you have to publish each each day or each week. It's going to be like that. You know that Bond movie where the the guy who was kind of who was creating the news just so he could tell the news. That was one of the PS Brosnan ones, wasn't it? Yeah, it's going to be like that, but on a much, much, much smaller scale. Yeah. Is this going to make people sort of create their own news just so they've got something to write about? I reckon it will. Because we're still like a fairly big town where we're recording this. Uh, I think it was a couple of hundred thousand. Yeah. Well, there's 147,000 in Middlesbrough, and then if you include the outlying areas, probably a couple of hundred thousand, yeah. But there's areas where there's like under 50,000. And then there's areas where there's 10. Well, I wouldn't really call that an area. That's more like a, a hamlet or something. No, that's and, if a, and if a hamlet has its own newspaper, well, then that's a very brassy hamlet, isn't it? <laughs> it's a very progressive one. Yeah. It's kind of, um, yeah. I can understand why they're doing it, though, because they got in the neck a bit about the whole sort of um, not checking the news sources and allowing fake. No, man, I don't like that phrase. Um, overzealous news. Yeah. To uh, be circulated. But there's better ways to do that, you know. Yeah, training up they, they, local... They create an algorithm which checks the sources. If it has, if, if its sources can't be clarified, it can't be trusted as a new source. I mean, fair enough, local news could be improved upon. Yeah. But I think doing it local doesn't really work. I think you've got to do it sort of in an expanded local sense, so like uh, not the North East or, or West Yorkshire or West, uh, West of the Midlands or yeah. um, Lancashire. My uh, that, that sort of local, rather than a specific town local. Yeah, but my other point is this, right? Facebook's been around for a while. Can't remember. 2005 or something Okay, there. so it's been around for 13 years, yeah? Give it a take. And by this time, with so many people and so many users, every single town and area has a group that you can join where they keep you up to date with the latest things that are happening in that town. Yes, they do. There's also old pictures of where we live, and I like those pages. They're nice. Exactly. So do you then need Facebook's own journalists to tell you the news when you already have a group of local people who are doing exactly that well, on Facebook? You watched the social network. You know what Mark Zuckerberg's like. He's doing all this just so he can get laid. <laughs> Maybe there's like a journalist he has in his eye on. If I give her a job, hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Anyway, we're going to stay with technology for a little bit. Hint, uh, I know the social network was mostly lies. That was a joke. That's why I wasn't <laughs> responding. I got that. <laughs> yes. Um, something that is a joke, though, and isn't a joke, but really, really is a joke, right? There's a uh, there's a Swiss hotel chain called Ibis Hotels. And, I've heard of them, yeah. Right? They, uh, they have started a brand new service. Mm-hmm. When you check into their hotel, right, you can basically choose an option um, which will allow you to have a hassle-free holiday free from all social media because if you're happy to hand over your uh, login details for, say, Instagram, then the hotel's Instagram sitters 
will post photos and stories on your behalf and even reply to comments for you. That's kind of creepy, isn't it? Yes. Did they basically stalk you taking photos of you when you least expect it? Um, so there's like one shot of you on the toilet, like putting your hand over the camera. <laughs> and they're just right, lol, caught again. Can you imagine if you've gone scuba diving and there's a shark? <laughs> You're like, oh no, a shark. Because yeah, I don't understand. I mean, it's kind of perverse, isn't it? I mean, the service is called Re- uh, Relax We Post. Yeah, but how are you going to get those photos of your legs by the swimming pool? I have no idea. Those photos that become incredibly popular and they're just stupid. I don't care about your legs. Not the swimming pool. Stupid Instagram. I mean, it's going to be available free from uh, Ibis Hotels in Zurich and Geneva. Yeah, So maybe it'll work. I don't know, but I don't think it will. I mean, I... If I was an Instagram star, I wouldn't hand over my login details to somebody that I, that I didn't know just so I could have a relaxing holiday. I'd just say, look, all, all the people who follow me, I'm going on holiday for two weeks. I'm not going to be on social media. It's a holiday. They're not very smart, are they, either? Because there's this thing. I mean, countless like police departments have said, if you're going on holiday, don't post that you're going on holiday because people think, hmm, their house is empty. Yep. I'm going to have a five-finger discount here. Yep. So, yeah, a hotel doing that, it's just incredibly stupid. You just may as well put like, a big advert on the front of your house saying we're on holiday. Yep. Because it's just yes, it dumb, is. dumb, 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 dumb. And it's basically, you remember the beginning of Home Alone with the wet bandits casing all the houses? Yeah. That's basically all you're doing. Yeah. yeah and I don't, unless you've got like a precocious um, under-10-year-old, who has the ability to set up traps, which surely should be fatal, but don't end up killing the robber. I think... It's it's just child-friendly sort. Yeah, I mean, one of them, he puts his foot clean through, like, this giant pin. Yeah, but there He's was gonna no... He's going to get, like, tetanus or something from that. Yeah, but there was no blood, so you're fine. It's child-friendly. And a blowtorch. You get hit in the blowtorch with it. It's nightmare for you, <laughs> that one. Oh. Could you imagine that, though, being, like, shot in the head with a blowtorch? Oh, my God, you'd have no hair. You, you could sue. You could sue the family. Sue the family for. There's a, <laughs> a realistic sequel to Home Alone. <laughs> Cock case, you know, for assault. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also the uh, you know the family court case because you left your kid home alone. Yeah. So he ends up in a, like a home for you know um for well he ends up in a home of all of the twist really. Or he ends up in a home for sociopaths because obviously the mental sc- mental scarring of being abandoned by his family has caused some deep psychological <laughs> issues which he took yeah. out on these two poor robbers. Home for ch- like uh, psychopath well psychopathic children. <laughs> I'll have you know it's the Xavier Institute for Gifted Children. So there we go. We fixed home alone. What's next? Um right. Uh, allergies, surprisingly enough, right? They've got a couple of good, a couple of good bits of research for you, right? Okay. There's there's new research that uh, that has uh, come up with some interest, come up with an interesting idea, right? Now, given that we had the um, awards, that I can never remember the name of the Ignoble Awards, week. the Ignoble Awards, yeah. Um, see, here's the thing, right? You know, allergies are becoming more and more common. Peanut allergies. Um, uh, allergies to seafood, allergies to wool, allergies to all sorts, yeah? I had hair fever before it was cool. Yeah, I know you did. But we're getting more and more allergic to things, and one of the reasons we're getting allergic to things is because everybody, parents especially, are over-sanitizing everything, and so 
kids aren't getting ill. We know this. This has been confirmed. Kids aren't getting ill in the way that they used to for thousands of years. And because they're not getting ill, their bodies can't build up that immunity to certain th certain germs and bacteria, which normally they would have been able to shrug off. But because they've never been exposed to it before, by the time they're older, when their body's less, you know, not developing as quick, you know, it'll cause them an allergy instead. I know why hair fever is more common. Why? Incredibly cold winters and incredibly hot summers has made people unable to deal with pollen, so it's making more and more people get hair fever. Yep. And the people who have hair fever are getting it worse. Yep, exactly. Um, but this has to do with babies' dummies. Now, in America, they'd be called pacifiers, but then I watched the Vin Diesel movie, so I can't really use that term anymore. <laughs> yes, you can, but go on. Um, so, here's the thing. Picture the scene. You're at a uh, shopping centre... There's a baby with a dummy in its mouth, and it just, you know, it spits the dummy out, dummy lands on the floor, right? Happened many a time. Right. And so the mum or the dad picks the dummy up and washes it in, washes it in uh, like, very, very hot water or washes it with soap or something like that, and then gives it back to the baby, yeah? Shouldn't do that. That's, they don't get rid of the gems, but, yeah, they do that. Go on. Yeah. Because everybody thinks it's hygienic, and, you know, until I saw this research, I would do that as well. Well, I wouldn't, because I knew that hot water doesn't get rid of germs. No, 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 it does. That's the problem. It does get rid of the germs. That is exactly the problem. What? Yeah. Apparently, there isn't, you know, it's especially uh, first-time parents who wash it thoroughly before giving it back to the child. But more relaxed parents apparently have a habit of they'll basically pick it up off the floor, stick it in the gob to rinse it off, right, and then give it back to the baby. Well, that's the right thing to do. And apparently that is the correct thing to do. Because it, it apparently helps to prevent your baby developing allergies. Not really uh, much I can say about that, I'll be honest. It's very counterintuitive, isn't it? I wouldn't say that so much. But you are right, you know, kids are getting wrapped up in cotton wool. Because even from when I was a kid, it's a much less pleasant world out there. Yeah. I mean, uh, this but still, is... you know, let your kids get, like, scraps, get, let them go out, let them adventure, let them, you know. Yeah. I mean, we're not born in bubbles. This is based on research from scientists at Henry Ford Hospital in the United States, and they basically checked with 128 mothers of infants multiple times over a period of 18 months and asked how they ch cleaned their child's pacifier, and then they measured the uh, allergic response of the children and found that the babies whose mothers cleaned the pacifier by just sticking it in the gob you know, and cleaning it off and then spitting out the resulting whatever it is, give the baby the dummy back, had much lower allergic responses than babies who had their pacifiers thoroughly cleaned. Yeah. And we're talking makes, like, it makes sense, actually, yeah. And we're talking about a difference of 72% to 41%. That's rather significant. Yeah, exactly. That's a 30% difference. That's that's huge. When I was a kid, I used to go up the nearby hills, and one day I went out with a pair of trousers and I came back with a pair of shorts. <laughs> Not because I thought a change with somebody you were met in the way, because that would be a story. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's because I took a shortcut through a farmer's land and lost half of my trousers on the barbed wire fences. I remember when uh, when I was a kid, uh, <laughs> you remember when they built the ski slope around here? Yes. Right. Um, me and my brother were still in secondary school at the time, and my brother's best mate, uh, who is also called Rob, by the way, uh, uh, he convinced my brother that there were jobs going cutting down trees. So, well, there was, yeah. That there were jobs going cutting down trees for the ski slope. And so my brother, who was obsessed with uh, work and money even back then, decided that he was going to go 
up to the hills and try and get a job as a lumberjack. And he spent the better part of a day wandering around the hills looking for this logging camp, which didn't exist in the first place, came back covered in mud and leaves and dirt, <laughs> going, I'm going to kill Rob when I get my hands on him. My first response was, what have I done? Yeah, you don't get those stories anymore, do you? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so anyway, uh, you heard it here. Research suggests if your if your baby drops their pacifier, uh, maybe give it a rinse first to wash off any loose dirt, then stick it in your gob. I'm not saying stick it in your gob straight away because you don't know what's been on the floor. Yeah, I mean, if it if it, it drops in a certain type of tod, then you want to leave it. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Uh, moving on to uh, a different type of research, and this has to do <coughs> with lies, right? With what? With lies. Okay. Dr. Emilio Gomez uh, Milan and his team uh, at uh, the University of Granada uh, have recently investigated the so-called Pinocchio effect. Uh, you know the whole idea that if you tell a lie, your nose grows longer? Well, yeah, in the, in the story. Yeah. Well, pe- some people actually believed that. So his team developed a lie detector test that used thermography to tell if people were lying and found that whenever participants in the research were being untruthful, the temperature at the tip of their nose dropped up to 1.2 degrees Celsius, while the temperature on their forehead increased up to 1.5 degrees. Here's a question. Do the people who believe that also believe that if you drink uh, smoke on the edge, you turn into a pig? Um, possibly, maybe, but this is the this is the key bit, right? This is undetectable to the human eye, but they also found that the drop in temperature at the tip of the nose actually causes the nose to slightly shrink. So lying causes your nose to get smaller, not bigger. No, 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 no. This is what the research is showing. <laughs> It's kind of like conspiracy theorists, isn't it? Exactly. Conspiracy theorists can use literally anything to make what they're saying sound true and convincing. I think we've got to sort of differentiate between genuine scientists and the sort of barking scientists. Because the barking scientists are giving the genuine scientists a bad name. Yes, they are. I mean, it's. I mean, you'd have to be a little bit, uh, a little bit odd. To believe the Pinocchio thing in the first place. Yeah, I mean, what? Who cares? Even if it does, who cares? But my, I mean, I've said this before. Someone gave a research grant for this. I mean, there's so many things that we don't understand. Like, I don't know, uh, we only understand a certain percentage of our use of the human brain. That would be a more valid uh, use of research. Yes, I totally uh, agree. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, maybe in, maybe the next research to follow us up with is why the thumbs look so weird. Oh, don't, because now that you said it, you know that on the next show I'm probably going to have an article about thumbs. <laughs> thumbs. Bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> £100,000 like man to do that research. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, the research will be proving that uh, every finger is a thumb, but not every thumb is a finger. Yeah, but stretch that out about 40 words so it sounds really academic and really intelligent. Exactly. <laughs> It'll be a mathematical proof or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Something totally theoretical when just looking at your hand to do the job. Some real con artists in the science in, uh, community. 
I know, but you in, know, in the in the barking side of the science community, it's because they're going for tenure. As soon as they get tenure at a university, that's it. It's a job for life. Um, mm. Anyway, this is the point in the show where we start getting start heading into the realms of well, the weird and the strange and the bizarre. Usually um, that means a visit to Japan somewhere along the line. No, there will be soon, but first China. Yeah, they've been catching up in recent years. Yeah. See, I say the weird, the strange, the bizarre. Um, China's state news agency, Xinhua, I think that's how you pronounce it, has unveiled two very realistic-looking news anchors that can tirelessly report the news 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, from anywhere in the world, and they are both AIs. They are both artificial intelligence. To be honest, there's some in this country. I'm not sure whether they're actually human or AI. Take a look. Tell me what you think, Rob. Right, let's describe him. What we have is indistinguishable in still from an actual person. Yeah, which, do you know my first thought, right? You know China does, like, real, does like ridiculously, sometimes ridiculously good on the surface copies of various things from the West, yeah? Yeah. My first thought of this, and it's China after all, so this might actually be a thing, was that they've said it's an AI, but what it actually is is a guy that they're forcing to be on TV for 24 hours a day. <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it does look like a person in still, but in action, that's the place where these machines are, this whatever really falls down. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'd, I'd be freaked out if they suddenly started going all Max Headroom on us. yeah. <laughs> the first one is a lot more genuine. It's like a, just a rather demure, but unassuming, um, I'd say 30 something gentleman with a pretty straight haircut and glasses. Uh, yeah, wearing a grey suit and tie. You could pass a hundred of them on the street and you wouldn't like think he was an AI at all. The thing is, you look at him, he looks like he's just got home from work. And there's a video below, so whether it looks the same. Um, yeah, it's still pretty solid in motion. Um, it looks a little bit weird around the mouth, but no more weird than Henry Cavill's moustache mouth. No, I'd say it's better than Henry Cavill's moustache mouth. But yeah, it, it looks like a person, largely. Yeah, I'm not saying... Yeah, you told me that was a person and I wouldn't bat an eyelid. Yeah. That's kind of terrifying. Yep. Because it can just be programmed to do anything, really. And people believe whatever they read on the news. So it's much more programmable to an agenda than any newsreader would ever be. Yeah, this is true. I know the other th- disturbing thing about this, with it being AI, um, or with oh, it being before managed, you go on any further, I do hope that that North Korean newsreader woman is an AI because she is f- too fabulous to be human. Yes, this is true. But anyway, you're going to say I forgot what I was going to say because you remind me of her now. <laughs> She's fabulous. Though, She's isn't amazing. She? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I think I distracted you so much that I killed that story. Should we move on? Yes, let's move on to um, where are you? Let's move on to uh, Japan. Yay! <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is our first visit to Japan, and Japan has a new cybersecurity minister. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah. Well, he recently left the entire planet dumbfounded. Oh, that's a big statement. Right. He made a really stunning admission during a question and answer session with Japan's lower house cabinet committee. They asked him about things like power, uh, the power grid and malware and the newly appointed 
cyber security minister seemed overwhelmed and at one point said that USB was basically never used in Japan's nuclear power stations, which it really is used in, which led to many to believe that he didn't understand the technology at all. And which he received the phone call, which is... Put his hand in his pocket, whipped out his Nokia 3310, and then people went, hang on a minute, this guy doesn't know anything about technology. See, you say that as if it's and then, Scoo- and then Scooby-Doo and gang come in and rip his face off, and it's actually a 90-year-old. Oh, man. no, no. You say that as if it's a joke, but you're closer to the truth than you could realise, <laughs> right? Most of his replies were met with laughter from other politicians, but no one actually expected him to, just off the cuff, admit that he'd never used a computer before, and he's the cyber security minister. Um... That's kind of a prerequisite, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It's kind of like having a job at PC World says, so what can you tell us about PCs? Well, well, uh, thank you for inviting me to interview you there. It's a great <laughs> opportunity. Um, I've not used the computer, but I've seen one. Does that count? Yeah, that'll do. Come on, Bart. Oh, no. Do you want to know his actual, his actual line, the words that he said to the committee? This is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I don't use computers because since I was 25, I have been in a position of authority where secretaries and employees handle such tasks for me. I give instructions to my aide, so I don't punch into a computer myself, but I am confident our work is flawless. <laughs> so I don't use computers because I have my slaves and butlers to do it for me. What, what? It's like the most, it's like the most Trumpian line I've ever read. Because it is totally Donald Trump, that line, isn't it? Well, it's kind of like a really terrible stereotype for an upper-class person. Yes, it is. My slaves do it for me. Jews did it for me. What, what? (laughs) I mean, obviously... People always finish sentences by saying, what, what? I don't make the rules. That's just the way it is. I'm sorry. Yeah, it depends what the the, uh, phrase what, what is in the language that that politician is from or that posh person is from. Um, Nanny, nanny, I think (laughs) Japanese would be. Which is just a very different, it makes it sound like he's in a song. <laughs> oh, that he's, that he's trying to imitate Mark and Mindy. Well, no, I think he's he's going to set up a J-pop band of just really weird-looking, middle-aged Japanese salarymen. Either that or his, uh, <laughs> his David Bowie <laughs> routine just veered off to the left. <laughs> it went from Rebel Rebel. <laughs> I've got that right, the Japanese, haven't I? It is Nanny Nanny. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Ah, wonderful. Oh, so yeah, uh, I read that and I almost fell off a chair. Well, I don't think he's got the job anymore. <laughs> no. I mean, it's it's like, it. I understand we had George Osborne, who had a history degree, as the Chancellor of the Exchequer, but at least we knew George Osborne could add and subtract. <laughs> eh, give or take. You know, he could at least add one and one together and make two. We knew that, okay? So yeah. he could he could do basic arithmetic. And so we were okay. It wasn't like he'd never actually held a pencil before. <laughs> well, I don't know. He does have slaves. <laughs> yes, he does. He's a posh person. That's how they all operate, isn't it? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I'm not posh. <laughs> No, you are not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, something else that definitely isn't posh, and 
allegedly prevents injuries, but I've I've looked at this and absolutely will cause them instead. Okay. Right, a Spanish startup company has developed a new type of trainer. The startup company is called FBR, and the trainer, well, you have a look. Tell me what you think. A Spanish startup company creates a running shoe that allegedly prevents injuries, which sounds like a a normal thing. But, right, what we have is unassuming shoe, but the bit of the shoe where you put your heel down on the floor, well, they don't have one. Yeah, exactly. Sort of like someone's just yanked the heel off the back of the shoe, and it's just like like they were smuggling something in there and sort of just glued it back together again. So it's like a shoe without a heel. See, this is the thing, right? According to uh, their res- uh, according to what they've done, uh, athletic trainer Frank uh, Benetto came up with the idea for the heelless running shoe five years ago after reading the book Running with the Kenyans, and uh, he was fascinated with the idea that the Kenyans had be- were be- able to run more and faster and get less injured because they developed this natural running technique that didn't require the support of the heel, but instead relied on the Achilles tendon, uh, plantar arch, soleus, and calf muscle, which got him thinking, and then he basically cut the heel off a running shoe to see what running would feel like. Here's a thing, though, Mr. the Spanish man. Some countries, some people who live in certain environments are just genetically better at some things than other people. Yeah. Don't need to question it. It's just the way things are. It's like us English people. We're really good at mourning. Yes, we are. So we didn't choose to be. It's just the way we are genetically made up. Kenyans are very good at running. Yeah. Before I cut the heel off any trainers and started selling them as actual products, what I would have done was maybe invest some time in research into doing some biomechanics, biomechanical studies on the yeah, running of Kenyans. Comparing like a Kenyan runner to a Spanish runner and other like vast amounts of differences and yeah. noticing what's different. Yeah, put some uh, put some sensors on the feet of the Kenyans and maybe runners from other worlds. Uh, sorry, from other worlds, not other, other worlds, the world. other countries, hey, hey. Uh, and also bonkers scientists from earlier. Yeah, you remember those guys exactly. That'd be a better use of your time. Exactly. Um, you know, and maybe simulate running in different environments as well. Because I'm sure you know those you know those uh, mad uh, those mad people who go fell running. Yeah, right. They think they're mountain goats. I'm pretty sure they definitely use their heels. Kenya has like a lot of arid, dry land. Yeah. Um, some people run in deserts. Some people run on beaches. Some people run in mountains. Some people, you know, you can't just say because Kenyans are better, let's just cut the heel off. That's like so reductive and stupid. Yep. So. Healer's shoes. Um, it's a, it's a bizarre thing, I know. It is indeed. Now, here's the thing. You've been to London before, yeah? Unfortunately. And you've been on the Tube before? Unfortunately. How many people on the Tube talk to each other? Not point six two. And that's not even a percentage. That's just... <laughs> yeah, that was that one Yorkshire guy who came by one day and then said hello to somebody and then I looked at him like he just pooed on the garden and he thought, no, I'm never doing that again. Exactly. That's what the 0.6.2 is. <laughs> exactly. There's an app that's available on iOS... Uh, that's available to uh, <laughs> iOS users. For use on the London Underground, it's called Tube, Tube Chat 
and it's an offline Bluetooth messaging system for talking to other people while you're on the tube. You see, there's this great invention that's millions of years old. Um, it's called a mouth. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. That's why I put this in. See, what you do, right, is you use the thing in your head. It's called a brain. Your brain's like a really intelligent thing. It, we don't really understand it. It's that intelligent, right? It can all sorts of ideas and conversations and topics and whatnot. So you come up with one of those in your brain, use electronic signals to send a message from your brain to your mouth. Can you, can you say it with me again? Mouth. Mouth. And words come out. And the other person who you are directing the words from your mouth to will respond. And it'll be back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. This is what we call in the wider world a conversation. Do you know the best bit about conversation, <laughs> especially a verbal one? You don't make stupid spelling errors and you don't have to spell check. This might be the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? It's. <laughs> I, 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 I know. I actually want to go to London and download the app and sit on a tube and see if anybody is having a conversation using it. It's. It's. <laughs> different in the north, isn't it, Rob? It is. It's very it's different really... over here. I mean, yeah, I don't know how you'd cope in the north because you'd talk to anybody even if they didn't want to. Mate, you put me next to a polar bear and that's a conversation right there. I don't know how you'd handle the tube with somebody who doesn't, like a group of people who doesn't want to talk. I think it might be kind oh. of like your type of like, like hell. No, no, no. They hated me in London on the tube. Did you talk to them all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> they hated me. It's just... Uh... I know that like, we get a lot of listeners in London, and we're not like victimising like Londoners here, picking on Londoners because we know people aren't really that different. It's just the tube has this sort of uh, has bad reputation, and it's a deserved bad reputation. Yeah, but not all people in London are like that. It's just somehow you go in the tube and you change. It's because I this is my own personal belief, but I believe that the tube is run by demons. From the seventh circle, and they've ca- and each of the carriages is actually covered in these invisible uh, demonic runes, which cast a mild, depressive, um, anger curse type thing on anybody who enters the carriage. And so, for the duration of your journey, you know you're absorbing the effects of these curses or this big curse or whatever it is. And so, it make it means that for the rest of the day, you're just kind of evil. Just mildly it's, evil. it's either that or somebody's farted. It's that or someone's farted, yeah. You know, nobody wants to admit that they're farted, especially in a room full of people. It's like, oh, that was really bad. Uh, better keep quiet. See, the ones that you want to worry about on the tube are the ones that are sulfurous. <laughs> those ones, <laughs> just those yeah, ones. It's like a very, it's an airtight contained box, so could you imagine? <laughs> no, that's why one, nobody talks on the tube. The ones that are sulfurous are the worst. Right, and it's the ones where it doesn't smell of eggs; it smells a little bit of brimstone, and because you're understand, because <laughs> you're underground. So I think over the course of this past five minutes of talking about this story, we've actually been more sensible. <laughs> exactly, and we're talking about devil farts. <laughs> yeah, so that says a lot, really, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, uh sticking with uh, bizarre technology things. Right. 
a motivational guru from the Netherlands who voiced a villainous uh, Zaporozets super mini in the Dutch language version of Pixar's Cars 2 is trying to legally change his birthday so he will face less discrimination, including from potential online romantic prospects. Now, when I say changing his birthday, right, I don't mean moving it to a different day because his birthday's on April Fool's Day or anything like that, yeah? Yeah. Which would be what you'd think, right? That's the first thing you'd think, isn't it? Logically speaking, yeah. Oh, you know, maybe his birthday's on Christmas, so he doesn't get Christmas, uh, he doesn't get birthday <laughs> presents or anything like that. Well, no. When he's on Tinder, it says he's 69. He doesn't get any answers. But when he changes his age on Tinder to 49, with the the face he has, he's he reckons he would be in a luxurious position. Now, the gentleman's name is Emil Rattleband. That is his actual surname. Yes. And he wants to legally change his age from 69 to 49. Is he actually 69? Yes. Um... <laughs> uh... I have a Rubik's Cube here. Um, Can I ever finish a Rubik's Cube? I've not got the mental acuity to do it. Um, Because to use that mental acuity would mean I'd have to acknowledge the fact that this person exists. And I don't think I have the mental wherewithal to do that. Um, See, no. What I love is the (laughs) fact. what What I love is the fact that he's a motivational guru. So he motivated himself to get up off his backside and complain about the fact that he's 69 when he wants to be 49, as if the aging process is something that can be reversed by, I don't know, it's not even a deed, Paul, it's something else. Here's the thing, Mr. Fella, people lie on the internet. Yes. There you go. I'm full of sagely advice this week, aren't I? Just, just, just say you're 49 and have done with it. Yeah, get a hair colour. Uh, put, a fake, put a fake tan on. Look like a total ass. <laughs> there you go, side. Ah, oh, he already does. What a fake tan and dyed hair? No, he, he already looks like an ass. I couldn't comment. Can't know. But this is just ridiculous. A ridiculous person. He is a ridiculous person. I mean, I, I... He's basically asking the government, can I be 49 because I don't get laid enough? <laughs> that's, li- that's literally what he's asking them. And no government official in their right mind would go, yeah. They'd say, no, this is what those robot things are for. Look on the internet. You're in for an education. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> so, you know you mentioned posh people and slaves? Well, they didn't come up naturally, but I did mention them, yeah. Well, you were kind of more right than you realised. Okay. See, one weird place that we've never actually called weird before, but now is officially bizarre, is Malta. Never really thought anything of Malta, to be honest. But... Yeah, well... uh they're, they've now reached the levels of official weirdness. Uh, so you hear that, Malta? And the people of Malta, I apologise, but it's official. You are weird. You're just as weird as the rest of us, okay? The Maltese city of Zebug on the island of Gozo recently welcomed its newly appointed archbishop in a very unusual way. They basically okay. they basically had him ride in a Porsche Boxster uh, S convertible very flashy. Yeah, but they didn't drive him through the streets, right? What they did was that they arranged for the Porsche Boxster S convertible to be pulled along by dozens of young children. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> oh, oh, oh my god! I thought you were going to say something ridiculous, like a lot of hunk, hunky sort of twenty somethings, like you know, greased up of a sort of that grease that they put on like uh, bodybuilders <laughs> in like posing pouches. If you say that, what I just jokingly suggested, yeah, is more reasonable than having a posh box to pose around the road by children. <laughs> This is something which, like, I don't know. It's fine. Um, Junji Ito would find a bit bad taste. Yes. He has a he has a manga called The Melting Classroom. So he knows a thing about bad taste. Yes, he does. I mean, it's just... He, I didn't know how to react to this. I, I honestly didn't. I was like, Catholicism? <laughs> that was the only answer I could yeah, come up with. Catholicism's had its rough times recently, but it's starting to come up the other end, you know, by making people who have got like some sort of um, reasonable faculties about them uh, in powerful positions, at least in the UK. Like, you know, a lot of build bridge building. Yeah. And then Malta went, hang on, home up here, we'll fix this. <laughs> See, this is the thing, right? Um, a local councillor in Malta called uh, Sandra Grech Told, uh, told journalists, this is a tradition that happens whenever a priest becomes archpriest in Zebug. Everyone was really happy that we were preparing for this unique feast. I don't see anything wrong with uh, anything wrong in it. It was a feast of happiness. Tell that to the children pulling the posh. <laughs> Not to pick on Holland again, but Holland have this uh, tradition called Black Peter, in which people. Like white people painting their faces black, so I was like say, the black and white minstrels. I was going to say it is nothing like the Blue Peter TV show that we used to I have said, in the I UK. I said Black Peter. But... I know. I'm just making it clear. Blue Peter. Well, the that's TV a historical. Show. That's a historical um, activity. But holy, 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 holy hell! Is it racist? Yes, it is very. Just because something's a tradition doesn't mean you should still do it, especially when it's doing stuff like that. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's a good idea. Having children pull a priest in a Porsche is not a good idea. And no. saying that, no, no, me saying that sentence, I realised just how wrong that sentence was. Leaving children uh, pulling posh boxers to one side. Art. Art is, you know, something that is, it can be amazing and it can be horrible and it can sell for £70 million for some reason. Um, but sometimes it's just plain, well, bizarre. So bizarre art is nothing new. Yeah. Well, some some art is a bit more bizarre than others, right? In <laughs> right in a shopping mall in Maibashi City in Japan, which is located just north of Tokyo, right? Maibashi City, that is not Japan. In a shopping mall there, um, recently, I think it was as recent as Sunday just gone, parents gathered with their babies under the age of one. Mm, so far, so okay. Right. And on the floor of an area of the shopping mall, they basically laid out a sprawling sky blue cloth on which colourful sponges and white rugs had already been arranged to depict a rainbow and clouds. So far, so okay. Okay. Then, with some babies crying, parents began to place their children on the clouds laying them down on their backs on this blue cloth in rows on the clouds so it looked like the babies were floating in the sky. And you know what happens when one baby cries amongst other babies? Yeah, they all start crying. 
Yeah, so imagine the scene that you are trying to create this magical scene of babies in the sky floating on clouds and all the babies are crying. Yeah. So, yeah, babies as art. I thought it was going to be something a bit more, I don't know, risk, anything. You know, like uh, babies, um, there was like this big room where people brought the babies and they covered the babies in paint and then the babies just played and then whatever was left, there you go, art. And we chop it up into about 50 different pictures and there you go, art. Baby art. Yeah, it's not so much the, uh, it's not so much the, uh, well, have a look at the number of babies that we used. Okay. Famous last words, you know. Parents create large artwork involving a hundred babies. You just watch the uh, video. Yeah. And you can see what the artists are going for. Yeah, you can. But <laughs> it's kind of, it's not even art, it's not good art. No, it's not. It's very basic. Um, And it's just the thought process behind it, you know. Why would you want, oh, is this like baby heaven? Have all these babies died and gone to heaven? Is that the message of this art? The artist is a horrible human being. <laughs> or is it just, ah, isn't it cute? Apparently. And then the, then the baby's thought, you think this is cute? No, mate. Never mind. I'm one crying and, you know, they all start crying. What about if one does a shart? <laughs> and all the rest does a shart. you got a nice blue sky ruined then, isn't it, mate? <laughs> There's a suspiciously brown cloud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know this week's episode's been a bit scatological, but... <laughs> oh, I, I, I will buy you a donut if you call this episode <laughs> that suspiciously brown cloud. <laughs> I don't think we can. Uh, but we called it worse. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is just... This, this is just really bleak and facile at the same time. It is. It really, really is. The artist isn't a clever person. No, they're not. But <clears throat> something nice to end on, right? And I kept the best story to last, because who doesn't love a bouncy castle? Well, the government, because they're trying to ban all the private hire ones since, two, since a couple of kids got in an accident because they weren't properly managed. But Bouncy know, house in America. Yeah, it's a bouncy house in America. But, well, you know, um, bouncy castles can be a lot of fun, can they? You've got to take your shoes off first, though. Yeah, you've got to take your shoes off, obey the safety rules. But after that, they can be a hell of a lot of fun, can't they? I don't know, it's been a long time, but go on. Ah, go, oh, come on, if there was a bouncy castle and you were allowed on it... I don't think I am, I'm over six foot, I think I might hurt other people if I went on it. Like, no, I if jump you, on if, it and if, somebody else just flies off in it. If you were allowed on it on your own... Well, that's not the fun of bouncy castles, is it? You've got to be in there with loads of people, and you've got to be the biggest person in there and do the big, really powerful jump, so it throws other people off. Yeah, well, maybe... That's why, you... This is why I'm not allowed on bouncy castles. Hang on then this story is answering your call to action because Action Games are bringing out something called the Air X and it's due out in the Midlands in 2019. It's uh, it's going to cost, well, it's costing £1 million to develop this attraction and it is basically, well, take a look for yourself. <laughs> ah, it's like a bouncy castle adventure course, like a... It looks like the sort of shows like um, Ninja Warrior or something. But made out of bouncy castles. And um, we go next year to EGX, which is taking place in Birmingham. This better be near it. <laughs> I hope it is. 
Because we are definitely going. Oh, apparently sh- Sheffield is getting something similar as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know whether the show is really well known these days, but it's like Gladiators. Oh, God, yes. Because it's got like a travelator at the end. Oh. It doesn't have a diminutive Scottish going, Gladiators, are you ready? <laughs> that, was the, that, that, that was I'd the worst definitely, definitely Scottish like. accent. That was the worst Scottish accent. So was his. He wasn't Scottish. He was lying. <laughs> uh, he was a liar, Rob. He wasn't Scottish. Okay, look, you and I both admit this looks like a hell of a lot of fun, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Is it for adults only, or? Well, it's. I don't know if it's for adults only, but I'm hoping that it is, because I really want to go on. Oh, is this the sort of thing where I go in and end up kneeing some toddler in this forehead and getting a lot of trouble? Because that's never happened before. Not nope, never, never, I mean, never, never. I am slightly disturbed by this article, though. Just a little bit. Why? Right. Because uh, they're calling this £1 million bouncy castle a huge safe place where you can windmill about and get all the anger out without hurting your elbows. No, it's just bouncy castle. You don't need to like, justify it like that. It's cool. It's a cool place to be. It's a cool place to be with cool people and do cool things with, and bounce around and have fun, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> oh. and if they totally had that diminutive Scott from Gladiators, we're gladiators. And, yeah, I'd totally be there. He needs more work. Give him that job. Yeah? Oh, is it like the Bouncy Castle of my dreams? Yeah, you know, when you grow up, or get taller, or whatever, you, one of, some things you just have to leave behind. Like adventure playgrounds, you have to leave behind. Ball pits, you have to leave behind. Yeah. And Bouncy Castles, you have to leave behind. But this, this is saying to people who have grown up, and people who have got a bit taller, no, you do not have to leave the Bouncy Castle behind. We got you. Come on board. And there you go. This better be in Birmingham where I ejects. <laughs> Just a reminder then, uh, come the new year, we will be uh, doing a discussion program on YouTube, which will also be called The Geek Show. This will still be called The Geek Show as well. They'll run kind of hand in hand. If you want to catch up with anything that we do, you'll find I'll find everything that we do on our website, thegeekshow.co.uk. You'll find our other podcasts, you'll find reviews and all sorts of things, including our shop and our Patreon. Um, that's it from us we will see you again in a fortnight with uh, more tales from the stranger side until then I've been Rob I've also been Rob and we'll see you later for over 28 years Aflac has been a champion donating over 168 million dollars to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders including sickle cell disease this December Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14 hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National save the date tune in and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac